So, who is Jesus? Our passage this morning was uh, Jesus asking, who, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? I wonder what the answer would be in our world today. Who do people think Jesus is? The Alpha Course, um, which some of you may have heard of, has gone around the whole world asking people, who is Jesus? And um, there are uh, clips of some of their answers, some of them saying he's a religious man, some of them saying he's a god of many. Um, One person said he's a cool guy that gave great advice and uh, a long time ago, and it kind of snowballed from there. Maybe just a cool guy then. I wonder who you would say Jesus is to you today. And my next question for you to think on your own is, um, whoever, whatever your answer was, or if you're maybe still thinking about it, I wonder how that answer carries out into your everyday life. What does that actually mean for Jesus to be who you say he is? For Peter, in this passage, he says, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And what does he mean by that? Well, Messiah means someone chosen from God, as someone anointed to come and redeem the world, to come and take on all of the wrongdoings um, and the iniquities and bear them in order that others can have a relationship with God, to bear all of those pains, those sins. That's what Messiah is. But do you think Peter really understood what that meant, perhaps, when he was saying, when he was rebuking Jesus for saying what he was going to do? He didn't seem to truly understand the meaning of what he was claiming Jesus to be. Now today, um, we're talking about sacrifice, as Clive has mentioned Um, which is in our series of covenant, meaning making commitment, a commitment to God. And throughout the Bible, uh, sacrifice is is shown through, from the very beginning all the way through to Revelation, there are stories of what sacrifice really means. And I'd describe it as being to fully surrender something as an offering in order for, for a cause. So in other words, to fully give something in order that that cause can be made aligned. For example, when Jesus died on the cross, his sacrifice was to pay the ultimate price for the world's sins, for the world's wrongdoings, in order that we might come into a right relationship with God again. That was his sacrifice for us. Now, in the book of Mark, um, and as a side note, if you haven't read the whole book of Mark all the way through, or even listened to it on an audiobook, I'd really encourage you to do so, because the whole of it is like a dramatic kind of reading of revealing who Jesus is, Um, on this kind of journey to the cross. Um, But that's a side note. Go away and do that, because it's great. (laughs) Um, 
but at this point in Mark's gospel, in chapter 8, there's, there's been all of this lead up to kind of wondering, who is Jesus? Who, who is this man that's doing all of these miracles and healing people and feeding so many people? Um, and his identity has been concealed. But here Peter kind of reveals who he is. And so Jesus sort of explains what that truly means, what the cost might be for his followers. Jesus says, if you want to become my follower, you must deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. Now, this is a really hard message to give today, and I don't give it at all as a sense of knowing the answers. It's a struggle for me to hear. But here we are, there's, there's truth here. There's Jesus' words saying, come and follow me at this cost, at this sacrifice. Now, I've um, tried to uh, written a bit of a poem to help us kind of engage in the tension of what's going on in this passage. So I wonder, as I read it, perhaps put yourself in the position of one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers, or maybe even Peter. Jesus explains the suffering and pain he must face that he is called to make a sacrifice in our place before he is raised to life again. Peter doesn't like what he hears, so tries to stop Jesus in his flow, saying, no, why should the Messiah die and suffer? Peter, Peter, Peter. Jesus has eyes fixed on the future, where more than just Peter and his friends need a saviour. This battle is for life eternal, for the faithful. Peter, your eyes are narrow to desires merely human, but Jesus sees through the divine lens of the kingdom. Now, perhaps you can empathise with Peter or to, his, to the listeners around there of this kind of wrestling of what it means for Jesus to suffer. Why should the Messiah suffer? Or even... Why will we suffer? And Jesus' response is, you're setting your mind not on the divine things, but on human things, on frail things that will soon fade away. How often is it, I wonder, that the world tells us to earn big, to spend huge, or to be motivated on pleasures that are just small and instant? or to settle for comfort. Well, this is not the words of the kingdom. Christ calls us to have our minds set on divine things. He is inviting us to put on like kingdom lenses, goggles where we see things of the, a bit like the upside down, it's a, it's a bit backwards, a bit back to front. He says, to have life, deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. 
So what's the hope here that we're um, hearing today? Well, the hope is a promise of life, promise of life eternal, life to the full, life so greater than we could imagine. The world groans and longs for a restored order in creation. I'm sure it's not difficult to look at the news and, and to hear the the groans of earth, the groans of people, that there's just something not quite right. We're broken and we're fragile. But we were made for more than this. We were made for more than this. We were made for an eternal relationship with God, for a restored order with him. And Jesus is offering that hope of restored life with God. He's offering it. He's saying, come and follow me. Come into the way of life eternal. But that comes with a cost. And we can trust in God's promise for the future that we can't quite fathom and understand today. Even sometimes in his creation, we see those glimmers of beauty. I don't know... Um, if you managed to get outside in the snow and you saw the kind of glimmers of the snow before anyone had set foot on it. Just a little glimpse of God's glory, God's beauty in creation and his beauty in us. So we hope for life eternal, for his glorious restored kingdom. And the action and response to this is us is sacrifice. And sacrifice is to fully surrender, not just to dip our toes in and have a little taster or to, to peer in from the room on the other side of the house. It's to fully submerse, to fully give ourselves. So he says to deny yourself and to take up your cross. What does it mean to deny ourselves? What is that? It's something about being less of us and more of God. More of Jesus and less of us. And our worldly lens limits our view of God, limits our understanding of what that means. And I think... It's something about our heart attitude today. To deny ourselves is something about our heart attitude to following Jesus and how it flows into our actions. So what if our heart's desire is to be the best business person, to climb the ladder and reach for promotion, to get public affirmation or to reach for those big profits. But then our hearts forgets the neighbour who is a single parent who's struggling to pay for their next meal. Or what if our heart's desire is to, to live in comfort, to be the best host, to max out on your Netflix subscription. But then your heart forgets the person at work who lives alone, or the person down the street who has no home. Sometimes we need to put on our kingdom lenses 
and to lay down those desires that we as humans have in order to live for the sake of God's love for his world. So here's our first challenge. What are our heart's desires? What is it that we really go after? What are we striving for? Is it in line with God's kingdom? And then he says, take up your cross. What does that mean? Well, as we know from Jesus, the cross is a symbol of suffering. Like Jesus, he must undergo suffering. And so we may also find ourselves following Jesus at a cost. There is hope for life eternal, but we still live in a broken world. Therefore, Jesus says, to have life to the full, you must lose your life. Kind of sounds so hard and hard to hear. But the question is, are you willing to perhaps be ridiculed at work for for knowing that uh, you follow Jesus and others don't quite understand? Or are you willing to give up something of your own because you know that someone else could benefit from it more greatly? Or are you willing to stop watching a TV series because you know it's really not healthy for your relationship with God? The question is, what is that number one thing that perhaps is a stumbling block from Jesus being the number one person in our lives? This is a really hard message, but it has hope. And it's especially challenging when we truly open our hands to God and say to him, okay, God, what is it? Allow him fully in. It's a little, uh, I've got a little story just uh, to kind of help us along the way of being reminded of uh, what it looks like to follow along this journey. Um, John and I went hiking up uh, Crib Goch in Snowdon. I don't know if any of you have heard of it before. Um, This was about a year or two ago. Um, And I would generally call myself uh, a keen hiker, someone who likes fair weather hiking, likes the views, likes to take in the fresh air. And I was told that there would be lots of this up Crig Goch. So um, I was keen. I was keen to go along with the journey. Um, perhaps wasn't quite aware of the challenges that I might face and the uh, perilous danger that there may be along the journey. Um, when we arrived, John said, that's the mountain we're going to climb. So I was like, great, okay, I'm imagining there's going to be a kind of smooth ascent at some point, somewhere along the journey. Um, but no, no, we went straight for the uh, direct hill, um, or rock face is probably more of the, uh, the one. Um, and <clears throat> I must admit, I was <laughs> not too happy <laughs> in the, on the journey, and was grumbling a little bit, saying, this surely cannot be the way. <laughs> Surely there's a different way, an easier path. 
But uh, John affirmed me that uh, he said, no, this is definitely the way, as there were some five- and six-year-old children going the same path. <laughs> so I was like, right, okay, I probably should follow the way and trust. <laughs> um, and once we were beginning to uh, climb to the top, we came to this um, knife-edge ridge, is what they call it, um, which you can probably imagine means literally you're walking on a tiny little pathway with a sheer drop face at either side. You don't even dare think how far it is. And um, the, the rain actually started falling as we were just about to go along this uh, rock, slippery face with sheer uh, drops either side. I don't know if that was what you were supposed to do or not, but John assured me that this is the right way to go. Um, so on I went, feeling like a mountain goat, but using my all fours to uh, try not to fall. Um, and we made it. Um, I don't want to tell you what kind of uh, language I found myself in as we were going along, but um, we did make it, and we made it to the top. Now, this, the reason for me saying this is that the journey was hard. I knew where we were going, and I knew that it was going to be amazing. But the journey was really hard. And was it worth it? Yeah, it actually absolutely was. It was absolutely worth it. Getting to the top and seeing how we had been held and how we were actually safe all the way, it was worth it. The fresh air was there. The view came out eventually, after the cloud lifted. Following Jesus can sometimes feel like you're climbing this mountain. You know that there's a glorious hope at the top, but the journey there is really hard. The journey there can be, um, can be faithful. We can be striving on to Jesus. But we still find it hard. We still find rocky patches. And yet, the promise of Jesus is, he says, I've been there, I've climbed that mountain as well, I've paid the price and I've suffered greatly. I know the pain you're going through. And so in those moments when we're on our journey, he sits with us, he holds our hand, and he takes us along. So that's the hope that we hold on to for today. When we struggle, when it's hard, when we forget God, Jesus is always there for us to turn to, for us to question. He is always there. So um, as I come to close now, it is a hard message. It can't really be vamped up with a cherry on top. But the fact is, is that there is a hope, there's a, there's a hilltop with a gorgeous view, and that's what we're striving for in and amongst where we find ourselves. But we're going to take a moment in a, in a minute, and perhaps the band might come up um, as well. And I'd love just to invite us to, to let God speak to us today. I can't tell us how to uh, live a sacrificial life that's for, that's for you and for God to decide what that looks like. And today it might be about starting small. It might be about giving a little. 
Or perhaps you know that there is something for you that is actually a stumbling block that's really stopping you from fully immersing yourself in Jesus. Or maybe it's that you feel actually that you are in the midst of that suffering, that you are in the midst of the pain. And perhaps you need to be reminded again by Jesus that he is there, sat with you, walking along the journey with you, taking you to the glorious life that's ahead.